1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In a world where very few
0: people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is a podcast favorite. It's Bree Seely. Now, I interviewed her over about two years ago, maybe a little under and it was interesting because when we we had her on the show last time she was talking about um you know what she was doing just move, phasing out of the fashion industry and how she was sort of broaching this new idea and funny enough after our interview shortly after that she had a massive breakdown and almost quit that job fast forward to today she's had an interesting trajectory she's built a she's on her way to building a seven figure job and she's launching a book called permission to leap so today's podcast is for everyone who hasn't given themselves permission to leave? You know, the the famous sayings, I'll do it tomorrow. Maybe now isn't the best time. Maybe I'm not cut off of this. I need to earn more money in my current job before really committing. This is what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna to talk about how to overcome all these limits and beliefs and how to stay honest through these chasms of doubt. Welcome to the show, Bree.
1: Hi, Tao. It's so good to be back. So I told you I was going to surprise you with something. Our (laughs) podcast two years ago is still one of my favorites, and do you know why?
0: Why, 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 why?
1: You sang to me. You sang Tony Braxton to me on that podcast, (laughs) and I still, to this day, and I'll even, like... Compare it to other podcasts and be like, mm, yeah, but Tao sang to me. So <laughs> you have you have quite the reputation to uphold. <laughs> well,
0: thank you so much. You know, it's funny that you say I sang to you. No one, no one in my friend circle, family circle, wants to hear me sing it because I have <laughs> I have the most horrible voice. But it doesn't stop me. Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate you remembering that. I I think it was Unbreak My Heart that I sang. Yeah, <laughs> there sure was. Oh man, but it is so good to have you on there. I mean, I, I remember loving your energy and obviously we've gone on to be Facebook friends and, and I've seen everything you've done since then. But I want to, I want to unpack the audience might not know what, what you've done. So take us yeah. back to the moment when we did the first podcast, you had mentioned you had this massive breakdown. What led to that breakdown and what has happened since then?
1: Yeah. So right around when we talked, I was. I think about like eight months into my coaching business. So I had decided to shut down my fashion brand. It wasn't working for me anymore. It didn't feel great anymore. Um, the universe had been like hinting at me, like leaving like winks and nods all over the place to kind of push me in this new direction. And so I finally heard them and I finally said yes to that. And I spent nine months um, really doing the inner work like figuring out, like you said earlier, what are my doubts? What are my beliefs? What energy am I coming into every single day? How are the things that I've been taught in my past really shaping the results I'm getting now and who I am in the world right now? And how is that unaligned with the woman that I want to be in the world? And so when you talked to me, I was like at the very tail end of that kind of like massive, I call it my inner spring cleaning where I took like an energetic Brillo pad and just like scrubbed everything, <laughs> got rid of all the stuff that didn't work, all the stuff that didn't fit anymore. And um, towards the end, I think we spoke in December and at the end of December, December 31st, I couldn't pay my rent. Wow. And I, you know, I, I think in my first nine months of coaching, I got four paying clients or something and And it it is a a hard industry to break into. Plus, as a coach, you have to do all the work first. You have to. You have to do all your own stuff before you can support someone else in going through theirs. And so I just hit this wall at the end of December and was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I tried getting waitressing jobs, I tried getting, like, you know, pulling in all these other streams of income. And the universe was pretty clear. Like, I was told I was unemployable, I was told I was too ambitious. I was told that, you know, everything by other employers that they just basically wouldn't hire me because I was in their eyes too good or too far ahead or too much I would get bored. And so I called my mom and asked if they would help pay my rent and she said no. (laughs) And so I was at this massive crossroads at the end of December and was like, great, so I don't know how I'm paying my rent starting tomorrow. And I don't have any money coming in, and I don't know what to do, and no one's gonna hire me and basically, what I ended up having to do was really, really in a way I'd never before walk my talk and I doubled down, and you know I was backed into a corner, and I managed to figure it out and that month uh january twenty sixteen I pulled in fifteen thousand dollars
0: oh my goodness. What fifteen thousand huh. dollars from not being able to pay rent? Um, yeah. First of all, that rent story is something I totally relate to. I've had many of those before I got to where I am. But yeah, talk to me about fifteen thousand. How do you go from zero to fifteen thousand?
1: <laughs> Part of it was I started taking a deeper stand for myself. So mm-hmm. I've always been one of like I've always been a people pleaser to an extent, and you know I would have people message me and be like, oh, what you've created is so amazing. Can I pick your brain? And I'd always be like, yeah, we can go get coffee. And I started in that month being like, no, you cannot pick my brain. The knowledge that I have, I mean, at that point, I'd been an entrepreneur for seven or eight years. I was like, the knowledge and skills that I have are valuable. And if you're interested in, in me supporting you or me helping you in any, any way, shape, or form, this is what it looks like to work with me. Mm. And I had a lot of people be like, okay, I'm in. Like, no wow. questions asked.
0: That's crazy. And
1: yeah, so Damn. that was part of it. Another part was, you know, I ended up getting really creative. And I had a few friends who needed help managing their Instagram accounts. And I started, even though it wasn't my business, started pulling in some Instagram clients because I figured out at that point how to do really well on Instagram, grow your account, get followers, all this stuff. And so I, it was a multitude of different things. But... uh yeah, I just kind of put pedal to the metal and was like, I got to figure this out. Something has to give. I'm going to make it work and did whatever it took to get on the other side of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said about when your back's against the wall and you have yeah. a mission that you really believe in. It, it's what you said. Are you brave enough? Do you give yourself permission to actually walk the talk? And if if you look at the the common thread with several, several Um, high no, name worthy, you know, entrepreneurs now. A lot of them will have moments like this when they really have to take a gamble on themselves. They really Mm -hmm. have to decide. I've had this thought in my head for so long. Do I truly believe in what I'm saying? And if I do, am I willing to take the risk and go it all? And it sounds like that's what you did and you got creative. You're not doing Instagram marketing now, right? You're not doing any of that, but you found a way, you know, (laughs) to do what it is. You know, some people will take Craigslist jobs. Some people will do Uber, some people do Lyft but they'll still yep. stay focused on the goal. So my next question for you is, even though you were doing all these odd jobs, how did you uh, stay focused on where, where you wanted to go, your intended uh, destination?
1: So I, my priority, just in general, every single day is always my business. So even though I was doing other things, every single day, the first actions I would take were in relation to my business. And so I would do, I usually have a, a habit of, like doing two to three, maybe four things a day that are like really impactful to my business. And I figure out whatever those two, three, four things are, I get those done first at the beginning of the day, and then I have the rest of the day to, you know, schedule social media or do, you know, other people's projects or like all these other things. But my priority, my main focus was still growing my business getting my, my coaching brand going, all of that stuff.
0: Right, right, right. And what would you say your business is to those uh, that might not know?
1: Uh, so right now, I am still coaching. I do group coaching and private coaching. And then I also now am, am an author,
0: yeah. which is
1: fun, yay. And I have a podcast, mm-hmm. and I am speaking. I'm I'm starting to get booked for keynotes and all sorts of stuff. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's, it's, it's so funny. Um, obviously my career obviously started off with the podcast, then led to the speaking, then led to the, to writing and, you know, coaching. And you're, you're a coach, then you have a podcast and now you're speaking. So for those listening, it does, there is no one path is what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it looks like it's inverted with me and Bree's career, but we are still able to create content if you have a voice and it doesn't matter where you start. If you start off as a coach, you start off as a podcast or start off as a writer, if you're truly, truly committed to what you're doing, and you believe that you're providing value, those clients can create an ecosystem for you to spread your message in a multitude of ways. So that's what the 21st yeah. century presents with digital platforms. Um, and what
1: I was going to say as I'm like rattling off all those like job titles, like basically my, my job, my career is like having a voice and yeah. being a voice. Yeah. Yeah. And so right now it looks like being a voice for women to support them and bringing their visions to life. Um, but you know, I'm also a voice. I have a few posts coming out, uh, very feminist oriented in the next few weeks that are quite different from the narrative that's being spoken right now. And so I feel like my, my job is to have a platform and really stand for important issues and support people in doing so in their lives for themselves as well.
0: No, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I particularly you love a lot of uh, the feminist uh, slants just because I you know, I, I love gender equality and I feel like it's something that we need to do. We need to smash patriarchy, especially in today's leadership. And um, yeah. I don't know that enough leaders are doing that. So thank you for being a voice in that way.
1: Well, and one of the posts that's going to come out for me too is like, yes, the patriarchy is super oppressive to women and minorities and all these other things. And like specifically for women and speaking of like the wage inequalities, mm. we, we, I I see a lot of women talking about it and we're like, well, it's the patriarchy's problem. Like, it's their problem. They need to fix it, and then we'll have wage equality. Mm. But what I'm realizing is that it's not their problem. It's our problem. Like, as a woman, it's my problem. If I'm not teaching my women how to stand up for themselves and ask for and demand their worth in the world, then I'm not doing my job correctly. And as women, it is our responsibility... Like, yes, of course, as a man, if you're employing a woman... I was going to say
0: that, yeah. I was going to say it has to work in tandem.
1: (laughs) It does, but I think a lot of women don't want to take responsibility for their part in it, and until we are able to stand up and say, I am absolutely not standing for this anymore, like, I I just see too many women putting their power in the hands of other people, and it's like, yes, okay, you have this job, they don't want to pay you enough, but... By you staying there, that's also on you, right? Like, So if, if you want the tides to be shifted, you have to take your own power back and do something about it. Because if you're sitting around waiting for someone else to make a change, you're going to be waiting for a really long time.
0: Interesting. No, this is, this is interesting. So it, the way I, and I don't, you know, I definitely understand exactly what you're saying. And I, I, the way that I'm here and, you know, translating what you're saying is that everybody has a role to play towards achieving equality. And, you know, yeah. Me as as a man, um, they're just, I you know, I feel like calling out things, whether it's due to the recent Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey type behaviors, calling out those type of behaviors and making sure workplaces are safe enough for women, and actually standing up for that is something that I have a responsibility to do. I feel like yep. me being in a room and observing different biases, where someone says, "You're a woman, she's going to get pregnant later, so I'm going to give her a pay cut," is something I can say cut that out early so I feel yeah yeah, I feel like that's a role I can play as a man but what you're saying as a woman I you know it's something that I I, you know I I, I'm sure you you have way more experience in than I am so I can't wait to see the post and see what you have to say just because um, I'm sure it's going to be a learning opportunity for me uh, just to realize what you're saying when you say women can take power
1: more yeah yeah Yeah. I'm excited it just kind of started forming this weekend so we'll see where it goes and what comes out of it but Yeah,
0: yeah yeah We will see if we will see and did. Um So one, another question that I have then obviously seeing you on Facebook, I, you know, I didn't know the break about the breakdown part, but I knew that you were sort of having this change in direction where you would publicly manifest things basically. And then you would talk about how you achieve them, you know, whether it's a an office space or something like that. Uh, yep. Can you talk about that process? You know, it, it's, you know, because to some, obviously, it sounds like woo woo type of stuff. But I, I, you know, I just want to understand what we, what you were doing through that totally. process and how it happened.
1: Yeah. So yeah, manifestation is woo or whatever. I look at it through the lens of actually more like physics. Mm. So the way that our world works is that everything in our physical reality has a vibration; it has an energetic frequency. And so the idea behind manifestation is basically that you tune your energetic frequency to be in alignment with whatever it is that you desire, the energetic frequency of whatever it is that you desire. And that once your energetic frequency matches the energetic frequency of the thing that you desire for a consistent enough basis and you're taking active action towards it, that thing comes into your life. Yeah. that's like kind of the basics of it that's like a super kindergarten level speak about it but um but yeah that's basically the the ha- the practice and so for me it's been about building habits to increase and change my energetic frequency and sustain it because a lot of people do like they'll do manifestation practices and they'll or they'll, you know, meditate for 15 minutes a day, and then they immediately switch back to, but this is my reality. Right, right. And so it's that constant, like, switch back and forth that you're, like, you're not actually making a long, sustainable change in your energetic frequency because you're immediately defaulting back to, well, this is the information that my physical world is giving me, so this is reality. And so I operate in between two worlds i operate between the physical world which is everything we can see touch feel experience with our five senses and i operate in a more of an unseen world as well or as i refer to it in my book the spiritual world the spiritual which world. is all of the things that we can't see energy um thoughts feelings beliefs uh, magic synchronicities <laughs> I <laughs> of that stuff.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, so no, I, I want to, I want to stay on this trend here. So obviously that's something you did. And this isn't something you can say that it, it came out of magic. You weren't given anything. We, we talked about your right. different phases in career. you you've made it to a great place in fashion. You said that wasn't enough for you. You changed the sort of content and then you went to coaching and you went to the lowest lows. You were doing jobs that you weren't necessarily maybe Interesting, but you worked your way up from having your parents say no to, to get in rent. Um, so for you, there's no such thing as excuses. But I want to sort of get into this mindset. Since you're a coach and you deal with a lot of people that have, maybe sometimes they let limiting beliefs be their narrative. Why yeah. do you feel like people postpone things? I mean, we have this interesting, we're, we're about to end the year, right? It's about to be December. Someone's going to come up with, I'm doing this in 2018. Why do you <laughs> feel like people always postpone their dreams and they give themselves an out? Why?
1: Yeah, it's a comfort zone issue. So, the way that our brains are wired, and this goes literally back to like the inception of human, the human species, right? The way that our brains were wired back then, we were cavemen. We only had a few inputs. And so, our brains were developed to be very simple they're developed for safety and danger. And that was about all that they had at the beginning, right? So I just did this analogy the other day. I was like, it's like we're living with like Macintosh, what was it, E2 computer <laughs> brains, but we're but we're in an expansion pack that we're like in this virtual reality expansion pack, but our brains are still functioning like on the Microsoft E2 level. So What happens is when we think about making these changes in our lives and we think about going after our dreams or our vision or our desires, our brain categorizes that.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
1: Because it's different, and it's unknown, and you can't see it yet. So because it categorizes it as danger, your brain and your body and your nervous system are going to do everything in its power to keep you out of danger. Because that's what your brain was designed to do. It was designed to keep you safe Mm. and keep you alive. So your brain literally thinks that by you not going to the gym, it is keeping you safe and keeping you alive. But the problem is going to the gym isn't going to kill you. And so you have to start to learn to distinguish, okay, so I'm having this fear, I'm having this resistance. Is it because I'm actually literally in danger and I need to not do it? Or is it just that my brain is processing this as danger because it's new and it's different? And in that case, I get the opportunity to be like, ah, I see you. I see what you're doing. I know what this is, and I'm choosing something different.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is that is so deep. That's so profound. Uh, brains are, you know, it's it's safety, danger. You know, flight or fight. Um, and wow. <laughs> it, and yeah. you're right with the with the gym thing. You know, we you know we're like, ah, we'll do it tomorrow because we feel like, eh. <laughs> we don't want to get out of our comfort zones for now. And tomorrow's still there, and I still have the membership. And what's one day gonna hurt? But the problem yeah. is, when you keep saying one day more, that ends up being twelve months, and you're like, oh my goodness, I've actually gotten worse, and my mindset hasn't uh, improved. And so I think you're right. It definitely does involve a lot of mental work, though, and you have to rewire your yeah. brain to tell yourself different stories. You know, totally. For example, if you say, I don't want to go to the gym because I'm tired and I'm feeling lazy, or if I go to the gym, I have more of an opportunity to, to live the life that I want to live in a more healthy way. You know, that's what I always tell myself. I'm like, well, yeah, I want to be able to do this for, for a long time. And one of the ways to do that is to be physically um, healthy. So I just, you know, wire that and yeah. that pushes me through.
1: Ah. The other – I saw a video on Facebook not long ago and I wish – I need to go back and remember who the video was by. But it was basically – it was about motivation. And it was basically like motivation's bullshit. Oh, like I you're you never –
0: yeah, I know yeah, what you're, you're talking about. Yeah, you're never going
1: to be motivated to, like, go to the gym. Because of the way we're wired, you are never going to have the motivation. Like, you have to, and it's super unsexy, but you have to develop habits. And it's like, habit developing is probably one of the hardest, worst things anyone ever does ever, and it's the only way you will l- change your life in a sustainable and long-term fashion.
0: Yeah. That was Gretchen that was, Rubin and she was on Tom Billywood's show, Impact Theory. Yeah. Um, I love Tom. Yeah, Bilyeu. yeah, yeah. Tom, uh, Tom was a guest on the show and he's great. I love what he does. Uh, he's, he's amazing, but, um, interesting. So this is good. This is good. There's another thing that sort of connects to this. This is your why. It's, I, I might be presumptuous to saying this is your why, but this is part of your why. This is your Italy story. You know, I've read about it. You haven't really shared it on the, on the podcast before, but I want you to talk to the audience about why Italy is so significant for you because, you know, it was a moment where it was very low in your mind, but you had a moment where you found a ring that reminds you of your daily commitment. So can you share with the audience of why that is something that actually stays with you till today?
1: Yeah. um, So first off, I lived in Italy for two years. And so I lived there from 2004 to 2006 and went back in 2009 and I didn't know why I was going in 2009. I, I think it, I thought it was just kind of a like, oh, I just haven't been in three years and I want to catch up with my girlfriends and blah, blah, blah. But I hadn't fully recognized I was like hella depressed. I was sleeping all the time. I was in like just not physically in pain, but like my soul was in pain, massive pain. And so I go to Italy and I pack you know, all these books and all this stuff and journals and things to do and all this. And on my first day there, I go to the rooftop. I was in Milan and I go sit on the rooftop of the Duomo, which is a beautiful, beautiful building. And I'm sitting up there and I have nothing but time and I'm enjoying the sun and all the the different languages being spoke all around me. And I pull out, eat, pray, love. And I'm reading like the introduction. I don't even think it was the first chapter. And she's talking about how depressed she is and how she's on the floor of her bathroom falling and just losing it, realizing the changes she needs to make in her life. And it just hit me. Like I think I made it five pages in and closed the book and sat up on the rooftop crying for like an hour. Wow. Um, Because I, for the first time, was able to recognize and realize How depressed I was, and how much I was living a life that was so not me. And I recognized in that moment I was going to have to go back to the States and break up with my boyfriend at the time, Hmm. and all the changes I was going to have to be making in my life. And for me, I'm the kind of person that, like, my brain is, I think, was already rewired a little weird when I was born. Like, that kind of stuff doesn't. I was like, oh, man, now that I know this and now that I've seen this, I, like, have to do this. I don't, really, I don't have a choice. Like, I don't, I don't go into, like, the fear spiral. I'm just like, damn it, now I have to go do this thing. Yeah. So, um, but part of what I realized was that I was just kind of settling. Like, I had gotten into a relationship three years earlier, and it was easy, and things were fine, and we had our routines, and, like, it was just, like, comfortable. But it wasn't me. And so I knew that I was picking up something special while I was in Italy and I, I figured it was jewelry because there's a bridge in Florence and the whole bridge is covered in diamonds and, oh, it's, it's divine. <laughs> it's divine. It's the only bridge in Florence that was not bombed during World War II. And the, the rumor is that the general who was instructed to bomb it had bought his wife's ring there, his, his engagement ring or her engagement ring. And that because of that, he refused to bomb it. So it's this amazing bridge. And so I went and ended up getting a ring that was, it's pink sapphire and diamond and white gold. And when I got it, it's it's big. Like it pretty much spans between my two knuckles on my middle finger. And when I got it, I was like, oh, I'm, there's never going to be any way I'll wear this every single day. This would be like a special occasion ring. And now I wear it. I've worn it every day since June of 2009. Yeah.
0: Wow. And just, yeah.
1: it really is my reminder of like, that was kind of the moment where I took a stand and I was like, this, this life of, of living simple and like just being in a relationship and doing the things and like living out the motions isn't for me. And this is kind of my moment where I'm taking a stand and being like, I am demanding something more of myself. And this is going to be my daily reminder that I love myself so much that I'm, I am willing to do it differently and do things that scare me and do things that are big in pursuit of, you know, living my best life and then helping others live theirs.
0: Yeah, no, no, and thank you for sharing that story. That's such a beautiful story. And ladies and gentlemen, you just heard Bree talk about how this ring reminds her on a daily basis of her commitment to stop running, to start creating. You know, when, when she gets up, she's reminded of her commitment as to why she's here. You know, it helps shed the expectations of the world and she just lives her life and she does that to support women everywhere to do the same thing uh, when the possibilities for us to create you know our desired reality is almost limitless. So thank you for being a change agent and a change maker in that in that regard. Thanks. Now let's talk about the book. Permission to leap. You're an author, Brie. I don't know if that is (laughs) sunk in yet. You're an author. Well, as we
1: record this, it's coming out in like nine days, so it's kind of sinking in. But like, I have a feeling that it probably won't until maybe like the day of or the day after.
0: (laughs) We'll see. Well, we'll make sure this comes out right around the time of your launch, so that it it is fresh in other people's minds. And hopefully, Uh when you see the promotion, you're like, "Oh yeah, I wrote a book.
1: It's called." Oh, hey, that's me.
0: (laughs) So tell me, what is this book about? I mean, I know it's a lot about what we're talking about, but why now, and you know, what led to this?
1: Um, so I got. I was in meditation in January, shortly after I made my own personal commitment to start pursuing a building a seven figure business. And I was meditating on my chair one day with my cat in my lap, and got this really clear: you're writing a book this year, and you're leaving Los Angeles for two weeks in June to go write it. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> like I like I. When when those kinds of messages come to me, and one, like, it was pretty specific, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, when those kinds of messages come to me, I listen to them because I can't not. Like, it clearly came to me, and it came to me for a reason. And so I was like, all right, so I guess I'm writing a book this year. Cool. <laughs> like, what am I writing about? And where am I going for two weeks to go write it? <laughs> uh, so that's kind of, that's how the biggest expansion that I've had in my business in the last three years has all come through, through messages like that in meditation. Yeah, um, that's great. So I don't know why now, because I just got the message and uh, yeah, clearly it's some, it's, I do have you read big magic?
0: I haven't. I haven't. Who, um, tell me more about it. Who writes that?
1: Elizabeth Gilbert wrote it and she talks about how ideas are like living breathing entities. Gotcha. And they come to us as humans, like asking us to bring them to life. Uh-huh. Because, you know, we're the ones that are existing in the physical world. Ideas can't exist without a human to execute or implement it. Right. And so that ideas are like floating around and they, they come, like they present themselves to humans being like, Will you will you bring me to life? Will you give me life? And so, um, uh, so yeah, so this idea came to me and I opened up to it and my whole writing process was basically just to get out of my own way so that the book could come through me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've constantly been doing things that, uh, that stretch your, stretch you out of your comfort zone, things that you might initially have been afraid of, but things that are ultimately rewarding. So I want to thank you for that. So the book though, it, what are, what are they going to expect? I mean, I imagine it's on Amazon, um, yeah. and places. So if someone is. Thinking and listening to this podcast, and already loves your story. They've fallen in love with you, Brie, at this point because (laughs) they're like, yo, she's amazing. Um, Now they're like, okay, so what more am I going to learn from this book? What would you say? Yeah.
1: So the first half of the book is kind of like prep work. So it it dives further into some of the things we've talked about the comfort zone, the brain biology, the um, energetic vibrations and energetic frequencies, and like that kind of stuff. It's just, it's like a, a foundation, like a prep. And then the second half of the book is what I found is over 20 years of taking leaps and studying other people that have and studying skydiving and like all these other things, there are six pretty consistent phases that everyone goes through. And so the the second half of the book is like, all right, let me prepare you for all the stuff you're going to face. Because when you say yes to that vision, it is just the beginning. And you're going to go through a lot of things between that and actually bringing it to life. And so um, it just lays out everything. Like this is what you're gonna experience. Uh, Here are some great tools, some great resources, some meditations to download, some worksheets, some questions to dive into to do that inner work I talked about earlier. Mm. So that you can have your own personal foundation upon which you build your vision.
0: That's amazing. The foundation upon which you build your vision. And this is perfect timing, too. I mean, it's coming out in November, right? And yep. we're about to be at the end of the year. And a lot of times, it's, it's a good time to hit refresh. Yeah. Um, so it's good. Hey, Christmas gifts, New Year's gifts, ladies and gentlemen. I've
1: been, that's what I've been telling people. <laughs> I, was, I had a pre-order, and I, you know, you could buy one. You could buy five. Or you could buy 10. And on the 10 one, I was like, seriously, just get all your Christmas shopping done here. Like, Just do it all here. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's
0: gonna love it <laughs> no nah, that, that, that's uh that's so funny um so i'll definitely will make sure to put that in the show notes uh congrats cool. on the book congrats on your success and i just want to thank you though for being as raw and authentic as you have been throughout the podcast because you know someone listened to you talk on the, on the last podcast will say oh my goodness she's found her passion right it, it's i know she's had a difficult moment and now she's found a passion But what they don't understand about entrepreneurship is that there's several ups and downs, ups and downs. And then you revealed, even after it looked like you found your passion, you got to the point where you couldn't pay rent. And then now you're here again and you're, you're very much on the trajectory to have a seven figure business. So this, the reason why I was really excited to have Breon, ladies and gentlemen, is that this just is a microcosm of what life is as an entrepreneur, what life is in general. And the fact that you own. Who you are, and you own those mistakes. I don't know the mistakes. You own those downs and say, hey, I have to walk my talk. And many of us don't walk our talks, is so important today. I think uh, uh, you're definitely a a great symbol of of hope and power in that. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I I even want to mention that now, you know, I have this book coming out. I'm building this business, all these things. That's not to say that I'm not still facing bumps and that I'm not still facing downs. Like I had to go in my Facebook group this morning and be like, Hey guys, I'm having to implement some greater boundaries in my life and in my business. And if you want to remain part of this, you know, group and community, this is what it's going to look like moving forward. And that was big, like that was hard for me to do. And so, you know, I don't know if the road bumps ever stop. I think that navigating through them just helps you make you more resilient to face the next one that comes along.
0: No, that's why I love the title of your book. You're saying permission to leap. It's not, you're not, you're giving them tools that they can apply to themselves on a constant basis. It's not that it's a fix, like, Oh, I'm good for now.
1: (laughs) I always like to think I am or that I want to. I'm like, when are we going to arrive? Are we there yet? Can we be be there? Are we done? But it's (laughs) I'd say it kind of jokingly, but also kind of not
0: jokingly. Yeah, no, you, so you're half joking. No, but see, if we're not challenged, we're not, we're not growing. So that, that's totally. that's just, that's just the truth of the matter. But, um, uh, I know I asked you this last time, but I'm going to ask you this again. It is the mission of the podcast. Mission. It's my why. It's why I do everything. Uh, I believe that everyone can use the difference to make a difference. So what is the way that you use your difference to make a difference, Brie?
1: I, show up in my passion and my authenticity and my vulnerability to support others in saying yes to their visions because I know how scary it is to to take that leap and to say yes and I'm unwilling to leave the planet in the same way that I found it and you know if that means I get to bear all of my stuff publicly all over the place all the time to like ample of what it looks like to you know, bring a vision to life, then that's what I get to do and I get to support other people in doing the same.
0: That's, uh, that's very beautiful. That's, I love that. I love that. And where can people find you and where can people find your book?
1: My website is briseeley.com. You can find me on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Briseeley. And my book is on Amazon. You can either look up Permission to Leap in the title or you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash read P two L the P the number two L yeah that'll take well, you
0: straight. <laughs> well, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes in case that anyone um, um, is trying to remember that. We'll put that in the show notes and we'll make them clickable and we'll have them there. Well, before we go, I have like this random thing to do here. That's,
1: Are you gonna um, think to me?
0: Uh, well, hold on. It's like it's gonna be. It's uh. Is it, you, you, you remember this? This, <laughs> this? this is this. This is not my voice. But this is the original.
1: I don't know, Tao, it's not the same. This is <laughs> Wow
0: There we go. So good.
1: <laughs>
0: Thank you for indulging me in that. I was trying to sneak that in earlier, but then the stupid commercial played and I was like, Oh, that's gonna that's gonna be heard on, on the podcast, but <laughs> I hope that um you are able to continue to, uh, to even achieve your mission much more. And thank you for thank you. allowing me to be as corny as I can be.
1: <laughs> thank you for showing up as you are in the world because uh, I think you're fantastic and I'm really grateful to know you. So. Awesome,
0: awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the Ask told by Nomad's Podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxen.com.